Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about seaweed, a nutritious wild food and medicine. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors, including the plants themselves. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. In the past couple episodes, I've talked a bit about wild food and the importance of eating wild food and how herbs can offer us um, a way to ingest wild food in an easy way. And I also talk about how seaweed is a really nice way to get your dose of wild food into your diet where you can just go out and purchase this wild food. Uh, easily in whatever grocery store, food co-op, health food store, or herb shop. Seaweed is an, an herb that is of the ocean, and it's very nutritious, plus it has a couple other really beneficial constituents to it. So I'd like to really dive into seaweeds today. And talk about the different types of seaweeds that we can eat and the nutrition, the constituents that they have to offer us, and then um, how they benefit different parts of our body systems, and then give you a couple ideas on ways that you can incorporate seaweed into your diet. So there are two categories of edible seaweed, the red and the brown algaes. There are also green algaes, but not all of them are safe, whereas the reds and the browns are all safe and edible. The green algae, you've maybe heard of spirulina and chlorella. Those are the two that I know of that you can usually buy in the supplement aisle of a health food store. 
But I've also heard some things that, you know, maybe those aren't the healthiest things. I definitely went through my blue-green algae phase in my 20s where I would uh, put it in water and drink it down as just like a chlorophyll nutrient boost. But then I realized, well, we're humans. We don't really use chlorophyll. Um, And so I really have begun to really focus on the brown and red seaweeds or brown and red algaes. So the brown algaes or the brown seaweeds tend to have more minerals per unit than the red ones do. And the brown ones are um, the Laminariaceae and the Alariaceae families. So the kelp, which is Laminaria, there's Alaria or Wakami, which is also called kelp sometimes, and that's uh, Alaria genus. There's the kombu, which is Laminaria japonica or digitata, which is also called kelp sometimes. And then there's bladderwrack, which grows all along the shores of the island that I live on. It's not necessarily a seaweed that you're going to want to like throw in your stir fries, but it is uh, used often for thyroid support, either as a strong tea or infusion. I've also seen it in tincture forms as um, a way to get iodine and thyroid support as well. The bladder rack are the seaweed that have all the round air bubbles that help them float in the water. And then there are the red algaes. So this is the rhodophyte group, which grow deep in the ocean. And they're most well-known, the most well-known red seaweeds are dulse, nori, and Irish moss. There are close to 7,000 species of red seaweeds. They tend to have less fiber than the browns and are easier to digest. The mucilage constituents of the red seaweeds include agar and carrageenan, which you'll see as additions to a lot of processed foods, um, notably ice cream, in my mind, stands out as having these. It's a, they're thickener agents. They have the, that congealing property to them. And then the reds are also really known as good wound healers, specifically. I find that dulse is a red seaweed, and it's really easy seaweed to start eating. It's very mild in taste, and it also has a nice antiviral benefit to it, specifically against the herpes family of viruses. The Irish moss is the queen of the demulcents and the emollients, and therefore it's important for lung health and for blood sugar. Le- you know, keeping blood sugar levels health- healthy. The red seaweeds are high in protein. They're about 30 to 40% protein, and therefore they're really beneficial for connective tissue repair. So in general, constituents of seaweeds, let's get into that a bit. So seaweeds contain all of the essential minerals, which is incomparable to land plants. The seaweeds harness minerals from the ocean water itself. Not, they're not dependent on minerals from potentially depleted soils um, and fresh water. 
So seaweeds are 20 to 50% minerals. So if we compare that where the red seaweeds are 30 to 40% protein, and they could be anywhere from 20 to 50% minerals, I mean, that's the majority of what makes them up, protein and minerals. And then the mucilaginous properties or constituents. So some minerals that seaweeds are really known to contain would be the B vitamins and the A and the C and the E and K vitamins. They also have ergosterol, which is a precursor to vitamin D. So all of those vitamins, A, B, C, D, E, and K. And then they have minerals, including calcium and chromium and copper and iodine and iron and even lithium and magnesium and manganese and phosphorus and potassium and selenium and silicon and vanadium and zinc and iodine, sodium, chloride, sulfur, cobalt, bromine, and fluorine. They contain fiber and fucoidin, which I'll get into in a little bit. They contain polysaccharides, which are really beneficial for immune support and also for feeding our microbiome. And in the brown seaweeds, you can get algin, which we'll talk about. And then there's um, lignans, melatonin, and even um, constituents that are similar to thyroid hormones. So algin is known to have great therapeutic value as something that can bind to heavy metals in the body and eliminate them. It's not digestible. But what it does is if you have uh, metals in the small intestine uh, that are from distal areas of the body, that the algin can bind with that and carry them out in the stool before they can be reabsorbed. So this is beneficial for both acute and chronic exposures and actual heavy metal poisonings. So my general understanding is, you know, if we have um, ingested excessive heavy metals, um, then like if we had uh, our mercury amalgam fillings taken out, or if we've been exposed to lead paint dust or um, pollutants in the air, what have you, if you live near a air polluting factory plant, then what our body does is it will it will put the heavy metals, you know, it will clear them from the blood. It will, it will absorb them from the intestines into the blood, and then it will kind of cycle through. And then from my understanding, it finds its way back into the intestines and hope to be eliminated. But then if it's not eliminated, they'll get reabsorbed again and kind of cycle through. And that's my general understanding. I could be um, not 100% accurate on that. Definitely do your own research, but that's how I imagine it. And so the algin is benef- that's why the algin can be beneficial even if we've had chronic exposures. Like we don't have to have immediately been exposed and then have the seaweed, although that is probably the best way to do it. But if our body's constantly trying to clear these heavy metals, um, then the more seaweed we can ingest 
over a period of time, then the more chances we have of it, of that algin binding to the heavy metals and clearing them from the body. Now, this is an interesting thing because you'll often see, like on the packaging of seaweeds, especially um, if they're sold in California, but they'll be, you know, maybe it's a company that sells in California and throughout the states. California requires a warning label on sea- on seaweed saying that these can contain um, heavy metals and cancer-causing constituents. So... And this is true for the same reason. So seaweeds can also be used for bioremediation because if there's heavy metals in the water, um, then they can absorb those as well. So if you're harvesting your own seaweed or when you're buying seaweed, you really want to kind of look into where these seaweeds are harvested. And But then I've also heard that that algin binds so strongly with the heavy metals that even if you were to eat seaweed that contains metals that aren't beneficial for us that the algin would still be holding so so binding so strongly to them that our body wouldn't actually have access to them anyway so that's again I I don't know that I've seen scientific studies on that but it's a theory that I've heard and something to look into further but Definitely you want to check with where your seaweed is harvested from. And if you're harvesting your own seaweed, you know, don't harvest it in places where there's likely a lot of heavy metals in the water. So another constituent uh, that seaweed contains is fucoidin. Fucoidin um, is anti-inflammatory and promotes tissue repair. And so the best way to access it, access it is if you simmer seaweed for 20 to 40 minutes in water or with food. So it's a great way, like if, you, if you're making a soup or a bone broth uh, or beans that, that you're going to be cooking for a long time in a crock pot, I am always throwing um, dried seaweed, like a strip of some sort of kelp or wakame or kom- kombu into the, the pot and just let it simmer away and sometimes the seaweed will just dissolve other times it will you know if it's really fibrous you can just kind of pull it out when you're it's time to eat if you don't want to eat it or you can go ahead and eat it the fucoidin um, is also beneficial for people who are undergoing radiation or chemotherapy because they seem to benefit from regular consumption of the brown seaweed broth that contains the fucoidin. They tend to have fewer and less intense adverse reactions to the therapies and better recovery time and sense of well-being once they have recovered. The fucoidin loaded seaweeds, these brown seaweeds, so those would be like the the kelp and the alaria, the wakame, kombu. They are also beneficial for pre-surgery support. They're known to prevent extreme blood loss and vascular bed collapse and even shock during surgery. So really beneficial in that sense, like general blood and vascular support. And then they also, the fucoidin is also known to have antiviral action. 
and it can interfere with every stage of a viral attack from the cell attachment to the cell penetration and then even to triggering the production of antiviral cytokines. So it can help to prevent the virus from procreating or <laughs> from, you know, attaching to our cells, injecting its genetic code into our cells and reproducing. And then it can also bolster our own body's antiviral cytokine cells. So general characteristics of seaweed is that it's cooling and moistening and relaxing. They taste salty and slightly sweet. So they benefit a bunch of our body systems. They benefit our cardiovascular health, our endocrine system, which is like all of our hormones, uh, our woman's reproductive system. They benefit the urinary system, the respiratory system, the immune system, the digestive system, the musculoskeletal system. So really a wide variety throughout our whole body. So very, um, I would consider these very tonic herbs. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about um, how it actually can benefit these systems. So for our cardiovascular system, they provide these seaweeds offer constituents. And again, the, the reason why these seaweeds are so beneficial for our whole body is because they offer so much nutrition. Plus these other fucoidin and algin properties as well. So they provide strength and flexibility to blood vessels and they can eliminate and prevent varicose veins and hemorrhoids. The calcium and potassium help modulate blood pressure. And the algin in the brown seaweeds has the potential to dissolve fatty deposits in the veins. It reduces cholesterol and high blood pressure, especially the laminaria kelps. And the fucoidin, which is found in most seaweeds, discourage blood clots. And then because of the high minerals, uh, it just builds blood and alleviates anemia. For our endocrine system, regular use of seaweeds provides the nutrients necessary to maintain adequate production of hormones. Plus, they provide iodine for our thyroid health, which then um, really benefits a whole cascade of hormones through the body. Also, people who are diabetic, the polysaccharides in the seaweed really slow the flow of glucose from the intestines to the bloodstream and help to stabilize blood sugar. Plus, they have uh, lots of chromium, which are essential for glucose use as well. Seaweeds are known to help renew energy and stamina, as well as rekindle sexual desires. For the woman's reproductive system, seaweeds are known to help modulate symptoms of menopause. So everything, including incontinence, vaginal dryness, and even persistent hot flashes, 
as well as helping to alleviate symptoms of PMS. They support and nourish people who have irregular cycles, fibroids, cysts, and even reproductive cancers. Seaweeds are beneficial for women who are pregnant and nursing. You just want to make sure that your sources of seaweed are very clean. Um, and they, so not with heavy metals, obviously. And they actually, the seaweeds can prevent mastitis and improve milk flow. They can improve the microbiota health, which then um, can prevent overgrowth of bad bacteria and yeast overgrowth in the vaginal area. And the lignans provide um, a phytoestrogen effect. So where it's a constituent, and that's in quotes, so constituents that our bodies can, it's like providing us with building blocks that our body can turn into hormones that we need, like estrogenic hormones. The urinary system, the seaweed can help to relieve incontinence if ingested for a regular, you know, regularly over a period of time. And also is really known to nourish and soothe the system. And that's from all of those mucilaginous properties. Very soothing to any sort of mucous membrane throughout the body. And we do have a lot of mucous membranes in our body. So basically any part of our body that comes in contact with the outside world. So, or with things from the outside world. So it's kind of like the open organs, like our lungs, our whole digestive system, our sinuses, our mouth, our airways, because that's all taking things from outside and bringing them in. Our urinary tract, our reproductive tract, and our skin. So for our respiratory system, um, again, it's going to soothe the mucous membranes of the respiratory tract and support people who have hay fever and asthma. It also helps people who have acute and chronic lung conditions, including emphysema, cystic fibrosis, and damaged lung tissue. Maybe if you've been a heavy smoker and you're quitting cigarettes, or if you just, you don't want to quit cigarettes, but you want something to support your lung tissues. They can be even used in a steam. So you can, you know, simmer your seaweed and then inhale the steam of that. You can drink a tea or you can make an Irish moss gel where essentially you basically like cook down the Irish moss until you get this really mucilaginous, porridgey consistency. And then you can ingest that. And that would soothe any mucous membrane that it would come in contact with. But also it would provide the nutrients that would also be, could be used from other mucous membranes that may, I mean, you're obviously not going to, well, I guess you could inhale the steam of the Irish moss to get some of those soothing properties. But even if you eat the Irish moss gel, then it could be beneficial for your, any mucous membranes throughout the body. And then the immune system. So the fucoidin, as we talked about, inhibits the viral adhesion. Um, they also can fight against antibiotic-resistant bacteria. 
So that's really important in today's age. They're also known to the fucoidin and seaweeds in general are known to fight viruses that target the nervous system, including the herpes family, Epstein-Barr, and MS. They can be used both internally and topically for pain and blistering. Um, and this is the red seaweeds especially, so that would be like the dulse, the Irish moss, and the nori. You could just, you know, soak them in water to rehydrate them and then apply them as a bandage. Seaweeds work against viruses both by inhibiting the replication and by improving the functioning of the immune system as a whole. And you can eat them to minimize negative side effects of chemotherapy and radiation, as well as to help the body clear the residues from these therapies. And really, they're best if you start eating them before you go through these therapies and not only after. For the digestive system, if you add kombu or other brown seaweeds to beans when they are cooking, it really helps to break down the indigestible sugars. So it can really help. Um, you can add it in the bowl when you're soaking beans and then add it to the pot when you're cooking the beans. And it just really helps to make beans more easily digested and to cause less gas and bloating. Plus, if you cook your beans with them, then you're also getting added minerals into your beans. And I feel like they also, the seaweed adds a little bit, like thickens the beans and gives it more of that um, creamy consistency. The tea of seaweed can soothe indigestion and improve the hydrochloric acid in the stomach. And the mucilaginous constituents then of the seaweeds can repair the lining of the digestive tract. Again, that's that mucous membrane that we're helping to heal and soothe. Seaweeds are really useful for people who have gastric ulcers, so soothing and repairing that tissue. And they can fight against bacteria that can make ulcers worse. The fiber of seaweed absorbs excess water in the gut and increases the volume. So in cases of diarrhea or constipation, it can really help either way. So you can use uh, the seaweed boiled and rehydrated um, to help ease constipation and to relieve diarrhea. The seaweeds also bind to heavy metals, um, including dioxins, free radicals, and PCBs in the intestines. The seaweeds also bind to heavy metals, dioxins, free radicals, and PCBs in the intestines and pull them out of the body before they can be reabsorbed back into the bloodstream. This really helps uh, protecting against radiation, air pollution, processed food chemicals. You can use the, the seaweed for several days before and after any x-ray from uh, dental x-rays to mammograms and anything else. And then lastly, the musculoskeletal system, the seaweed really can help um, repair cuts and bruises, 
burns and infections and scarring. Uh, both with topical applications are really beneficial in this case, especially of the brown seaweeds. So that would be like your kelp or your kombu if you just like simmer them a bit or rehydrate them and you can um, apply them topically. You could probably even put them in a blender and apply topically. You know, you think of uh, hearing about people going to spas and getting seaweed wraps, right? So it's a similar idea. You could even add um, seaweed powder to a face mask, like to some a little bit of clay and some seaweed powder and add water and apply that to a face mask. Or um, you could probably even take some rehydrated seaweed and kind of put it in a blender to make a poultice with. Also, the use of seaweed it really provides glossier hair and luminous skin. And again, that's really because of all the minerals and the nutrients. And then also the, that fucoidin, as well as all those minerals, really have nice anti-inflammatory benefits that can help to relieve arthritis and other pains in the body that are due to inflammation. So you can apply it topically to relieve pain or ingest the seaweed. And they really help to keep the joints lubricated and flexible. And they have the minerals that are necessary for building bone, strength, and flexibility, and to really help to prevent osteoporosis. There are a few different, you know, really well-known places that you can get seaweed um, in America. Um, there's Ryan Drum out in the Pacific Coast in Washington State. I don't know if he's still selling seaweed, but you could look him up and see. And then for the Atlantic Ocean side, there's Larch Hansen or um, Micah Woodcock. Micah um, sells seaweed or harvests seaweed right off uh, of an island off of my island. And his business is Atlantic Holdfast Seaweed Company. So you could check out those folks for trusted sources. And there's lots of other seaweed companies out there. Again, you know, just double check as to where the seaweed is that you're sourcing. Sometimes it's hard to find some seaweeds unless they're coming from China or Japan. And then, you know, just if you're going to do that, just really kind of look into where those are from. So there's lots of ways that we can uh, incorporate seaweed into our food. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. So before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves, to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. 
That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. 75% of Noom weight users finish the program and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. And now back to the show. And I'd like to get into ways that we can really work with incorporating seaweed into our diet. What are some easy ways? I know a lot of times uh, seaweed might not really sound that appealing. You kind of think of like, oh, like fishy or mud flats or um, just really briny. But I find that there are lots of ways that you can incorporate seaweed without even realizing that you're incorporating it. And then there are some other more fun ways where you actually are incorporating, where you can like taste it and see it and know that you're working with seaweed. Um, I find that a little goes a long way. Like you really don't need to eat massive amounts of it, just small amounts um, here and there. Or if you really are working with it therapeutically, then small amounts every day. So, um, incorporating it into your cooking can be really good. And so realize that if you are working with it therapeutically, it can be slow acting because again, it's building nutrition in the body mostly. And so it can take up to three weeks to six months to really help chronic conditions. So don't like just eat it for a week and be like, "Eh, I don't really feel better. So I'm just not going to worry about it. Like this is a a bit of a lifestyle change, a bit of a diet change, or just something that you're going to really start adding in just as if it was another vegetable, more like a concentrated vegetable. So for soup, I find it really beneficial to, you know, you really want to boil it for a long time to get the minerals to extract. So you want to at least cook it for an hour, if not more. So it's going to be one of the first things you're adding to your soup pot. Um, Also, you can put it in, like I was saying, bone broth, or even just uh, vegetable stock broth. Uh, If you're cooking dried beans for a really long time, or, you know, with a ham bone or whatever, just throw in uh, one or two strips of seaweed. Then once you get with the red seaweeds, like the dulse and the nori, you can eat them like snacks. I mean, you can get nori snacks, basically. I mean, I feel like they come with a lot of added packaging because they're so fragile. But even just those sushi sheets of nori, um, you can just snack on those or you can make sushi with rice and vegetables in the middle. Practice making your sushi rolls. You can make uh, chips out of them. So where you like toast them in a cast iron pan, especially the dulse, you can do that. So they get toasty and crunchy. You can eat them that way. You can add them to stir fries. Um, You can add them to sauces like a miso sauce. 
And I would say uh, consuming small amounts of seaweed daily is better than large amounts every once in a while. And this allows the gut microbiota to learn how to recognize and digest the seaweed by producing the proper enzymes. This is specifically called bacterial dietary adaptation. If you don't like the taste of seaweed, you can add small pieces of seaweed or sprinkle seaweed powder on strongly tasting or spiced foods. You can also make a seaweed gamazio, which is also called furikake in Japanese, to add to your plate instead of just putting salt on your food. Uh, when you're using seaweed to bind with heavy metals, it's helpful if you also consume a lot of rolled oats. You can even add the seaweed to the oatmeal. If you are in the habit of drinking nourishing herbal infusions, you could put a little bit of seaweed in each of your nourishing infusions, especially the green, like the nettle and the comfrey, where they tend to be a little bit more savory in taste and would probably hide more of that seaweed flavor to it. You know, miso soup is really good, the nori vegetable rolls, Dulse flakes, you can buy dulse flakes and you can add them with potatoes is really good or, you know, add them to like a pesto or a romesco sauce. Romesco sauce is like a sun-dried tomato roasted red pepper pesto, essentially. Um, they're also really good in like a cabbage slaw or... Um, you know, just you could use it like you would any other vegetable, especially like the kombu or the wakame, where you would rehydrate it and then slice it into small pieces and then add it just like you would sliced carrots to whatever kind of salad. Um, so the furry cocky, which I find to be like a fun thing that you can make, you could even make it with some friends. It's also called gamazio. Um, where you take a blend of seaweed and or just one seaweed and what you'd like toast it and then put it in a coffee grinder or a like a food mill or a food processor that can really grind something up pretty small and then you toast unhulled sesame seeds as well and put that in there um, in the blender as well and then um, you can add salt if you want, but the seaweed tends to be pretty salty anyway. And then if you want, you can add some kitchen herb, dried kitchen herbs, so basil, thyme, oregano, whatever, rosemary, whatever kind of flavorings you want. Um, and you could do different types. You could do like a curried seaweed gamazio if you wanted, or you could do an Italian flavor one, whatever. Um, you could put garlic powder in there, and then you just basically blend all the ingredients in a coffee grinder and then store it in a jar and sprinkle it on your meals daily to get like a small amount every day. And that was actually originally used, I think it was World War II in Japan when it was during some war where um, they were really having a hard time feeding everyone really nutritious food and especially children. And so I think it was maybe even a teacher or uh, I can't remember exactly, but that someone developed this um, as a mineral rich food supplement, which was basically seaweed and sesame seeds. Sesame seeds are really high in calcium. 
um, just as a way to get nutrition into kids. And they would, and then, so I think they would also add a little bit of sugar to sweeten it. Um, and then it just became really uh, popular. And I know that my husband um, is from Hawaii and where they have a lot of Asian food influence there. And so he, he would always talk about the furikake rice seasoning, basically, is what they use it as. And you can buy them um, in all different flavors and kinds, although a lot of them now have a lot of sugar and even like food dyes and random things added to them. But it's this whole seasoning phenomena, which I had no idea until I met my man. And then I started doing research on seaweed and then it came up again and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool make your own. Um, so I really just hope that this has been inspiring and maybe um, has made seaweed more intriguing to you, um, especially if you are dealing with any chronic health conditions or if you are dealing with a cancer diagnosis or cancer treatments that you would consider incorporating seaweed into your diet. Um, or if you're just looking as a way to to add wild food into your diet, but you're not quite ready to go foraging in your backyard or you don't have a backyard to go foraging into, um, this is a great easy way to incorporate wild foods into everyday living. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to give it a five-star rating and even a quick review would be awesome. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, um, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. And come say hi. Let me know that you are listening to the pod and let me know um, if there's anything that you would want me to talk about. Thanks again for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.